Hello and welcome to the Midlands Football Show, brought to you by Frost International. I'm Alex Wood, and yet again, I'm joined by the other three, the three amigos, the three legends, Nikita Gomes Central. Hello. Mr. Harry Tazard. Hello. And the Norwich legend himself, George Wilson. The Norwich legend himself. Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, George. Um, yeah, as people can tell by my voice, um, I have cold. I have a cold. Welcome to the relaxation of COVID and me finally going to my first live football game in about two years. Of course, I was going to catch a cold. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, excuse my voice today is really bad. But enough about my weekend. Um, George, you went to another game as well this weekend for Norwich, didn't you? I did. Before we get on to that, I just wanted to ask, was it worth it to see Ronaldo live and see the... It, it really you. was. Um, it, it was exquisite. Um, as everybody that listens to this podcast knows, I'm a Newcastle United fan. Um, one of my housemates got tickets to go see Manchester United versus Newcastle, asked me to come along. Um, and then look so happens that it was, Manch- uh, it was Cristiano Ronaldo's return to Manchester and um, his debut. Um, I have never heard grown men shout more in my <laughs> life and I never want to hear it again. Um, I went to bed chanting Viva Ronaldo. Um, oh, and I, 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 it was that much in my head. The atmosphere was electric and I can now understand why proper hardcore Manchester United fans call Old Trafford brilliant atmosphere because that was uh, amazing. Speaking to fans at the game, it's they also said it's probably the best atmosphere it's been in 10 years. So, yeah. Yeah, as for the uh, as for the Emirates, it was a it was a fun day out, I have to say, even if we didn't get what we wanted, we're still not off the market. It was another kind of tight margins game that we're on the wrong end of, which is becoming a bit of a worrying theme, particularly after it happened so many times two years ago. But really the the big games start for us. Um this Saturday, which is a bit nervy, but we've still got a few days to go, so that's all right. Do you think Arsenal wasn't a big game? <laughs> no, it, it was. It, it was. It just the the, the, pre, the pressure was the pressure was off us and on them. That 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 doesn't mean I wasn't disappointed not to get anything. Don't get me wrong, but realistically, I don't think they're going to be down there at the end of the season as much as people on Twitter would like to joke that they will be. Uh, Nikita as well. Good good result for. Liverpool this weekend, um, Mo Salah scoring his 100th Premier League goal. Not everybody does that. Um, in fact, only 29 people have ever done that. Um, so, yeah. Put some respect on his name, people. I mean, that's it. That's all that needs to be said. Put respect on his name. I think he's pretty respected around the um, football and industry at the moment. But yeah, um, the Cognizante, put respect on his name. Mr Tizard, Southampton, where do we start? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I hope to a point. I don't know if I necessarily expect the point with West Ham scoring 10 in their opening three and Saints only keeping one can clean sheet in their last 25. So I wasn't sure how the game was going to go, but, you know, sitting at Grizzly, watching the time tick by, seeing it was nil-nil and then finishing nil-nil with an Antonio red card. So everyone that has him in their fantasy team wasn't best pleased. I was happy. Three, three points, four games. Yeah, there's much you can ask for, especially when you've got Manchester City up next. Thing is, I think when when every when every fantasy player has a player, it's it's less less damaging, isn't it? Because I think 
if you haven't got Antonio on your team, then you probably haven't been checking um, your fantasy team. But there we go. <laughs> I raise my hand because I don't have him in my fantasy team. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, I wildcarded this weekend um, and I put, managed to fit both Lukaku and um, Cristiano Ronaldo on my team. So I'm feeling very happy this week. Yeah, that's, I think that's enough that I should have wildcarded. I didn't want to get on the Ronaldo train and now I'd heavily regret it. But you live and you learn. That's it. Um, speaking of living and learning, um, Manchester City versus Leicester. Um, Manchester City did live, they learned, and they won 1-0. Sorry, Leicester City fans. Um, it was a very, very tight game, but uh, probably the three points went the correct way. Yeah, I'm... You're probably right, I would say, but I, I think Leicester more than competed in it. And I think on another day, they could have quite easily um, picked up a point because obviously Jamie Vardy had that goal ruled out when he was just offside. Um, Harvey Barnes hit the woodwork. So I think there were promising signs there. Um, the City goal itself as well was a, a bit of a scrappy one. It kind of landed in the right place for Bernardo Silva, didn't it? Um, so Leicester, after the first four, sitting on six points, I think they'll be disappointed with six, which kind of shows how high their standards are now, because you know from where they've come from. But I also think they could have had even less than the six that they've got because they went to Norwich and really weren't at their best, but still came away with a win. Um, so I think, yeah, they would like to have more, but at the same time, they could have less. Yeah, I mean, they only had one shot on target against Manchester City, and that was by Adamola Lookman, who came on in the 72nd minute. I know you said the Harvey Barnes came agonisingly close, but one shot on target's not brilliant. I mean, when you concede 25 shots and eight of those are on target, unless Mike was having a brilliant game in which, you know, saving seven of those, he probably it does, you find it difficult to get a result. And I look at their fullback somewhere that, at least last season, it felt like a lot of attacking advantageous parts of the attack came from there. You look at Ryan Birch and Castagna against Manchester City, no crosses between either of them. You look at against Norwich, it was four for Luke Thomas, two for Castagna against Wolves, it was three for Luke Thomas, one for Pereira, and then against West Ham in the middle where they lost, the other game they lost, neither of the fullbacks had any sort of crosses. So it sort of shows in these sort of games that they lose, they're not getting into those, those spaces for those attacking fullbacks to get the ball into the box. I know uh, crosses into the box isn't always how you score, but it does show where your fullbacks get into the pitch. And having zero crosses between both of them show that they're not getting in the areas that they probably want them to be into. So, yeah, a, a frustrating day at the office for Leicester, but a 1-0 loss against Manchester City isn't an embarrassment for any team in the league, especially Leicester. Having seen Bertrand over the years for Saints, though, Harry, do you think once he settles in, because I, I think that was his debut, the Man City game, do you think once he settles in, he will kind of fit their system a bit more and do what Rodgers wants of him. Yeah, I mean, I think he had a strong game in the, uh, the Community Shield final. final the Community oh, Shield, I'm pretty sure he did play. But that was also against Manchester City. Was that yeah, Manchester City. So there's a lot to be said for that. It depends. It depends what Ryan Bertrand you think is going to show up. For Leicester, I think it'll be a good version of Ryan Bertrand. Not because he didn't play well at Saints in the first five 
five years he did really well in the attack in a sort of attacking system where Saints are battling for Europe so there's sort of something to prove and something to go after and I think in Leicester when you're looking to get the top four probably more likely top six this season the work ethic's going to be there but last season for the last two years I'm not saying that it was uninterested because on the defensive side of things he was still very very strong and probably uh, one of the strongest parts of the defence that did still concede 68 goals so it's, it's not it's not too much of a profit from that side of things. But yeah, I think he, he will come good, even if it's just as a senior level. You know, you look at Luke Thomas, he's going to have some great parts of his game now, Birch and sort of, I wouldn't say training, because I think they're going to both switch in between the roles. Birch won't play every game and Luke Thomas will certainly get a lot of fixtures under his belt. But I think he'll come good, especially because they got him on a free transfer as well. There's not much wrong when he gets some on a free. When you mentioned the the lack of crosses from Leicester, was it a, a system change from them or was it just simply that Manchester City were too good? I think it was, it was certainly a bit of both. When you come up against Manchester City, I think almost any team changes because otherwise you'll, you will just get bombarded with the attacks. But I think it is a bit of both. Man City workers, but I, I look at the crosses side of things more in the fact of you need to get sort of get those positions in the attack. You need to sort of try and suffocate a team. And when you have your fullbacks drop back, especially against Manchester City, who like to sit in front of the opposition, you're just not getting into the spaces where you're forcing them to make difficult decisions or forcing their fullbacks back at the same time. So I think it's certainly a bit of both. And then, like, just to bounce off what you've already said as well, Larry, um, the wide position, especially on the uh, left-hand side, we've, we've said it all season that that's a problem area for Leicester. And then they signed Luckman on deadline day or around about that period to be that player. A lot of Leicester fans were disappointed with that signing because it's Luckman. He played for Fulham last season and wasn't particularly spectacular. Was he good when he came on the pitch or was he just kind of average? I think he has an OK game. I mean... You look at his, his Fulham side that he was in last season, and I think out of all their attacking lineup, he was probably one of the better players. Forget the West Ham Penenka penalty, because obviously that's where a lot of what people remember, and that was completely awful. But I think he had a strong season for in a, in a struggling Fulham side, and I think he's going to be perfectly fine for Leicester. I mean, you look at their other wing options at the moment. Oh, Brighton, yes, he's good. Yes, he's scored against Norwich, but is he a, is he a long-term option? Probably not. And by that, I mean, no. I honestly, Perez hasn't hit the ground running really at all, apart from his hat-trick against Southampton a couple of seasons or last season, or no, two seasons ago now. So, yeah, I think he's going to be perfectely fine. And if they've got an option to buy now, I'm not 100% sure if I, if they do so, someone could correct me or or say something on that. I think he'll be good for them. I think he'll be perfectly fine and I think he'll work perfectly in that sort of system. Do you not see Luckman slotting in on the right, Alex? Because I, I feel like mm. Bar- Barnes is pretty comfortable on the left, isn't he? I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're planning on interchanging it. I'm not sure. I believe I, I believe that's what they're planning on doing. Um, because Rogers likes the, the ability to switch it. If Barnes is struggling against his fullback, fullback he, he likes to just bob them across. I, I believe that's correct. If there's any Leicester fans that are listening, please do correct me, um, because that's how I perceive it as what Brandon Rogers likes to do. Because Perez can play either side, so can Old Brighton. And uh, Harvey Barnes has shown his like ability for that flick, you know, adaptability as well. And I know that Rogers likes the adaptability. But I think that's pretty okay. Um, Leicester, you're going to be fine. It's Manchester City. Um, 
they are there. Yeah, I, I like Leicester's next three fixtures as well. They've got Napoli, Brighton and Millwall. That is a real, real eclectic sort of fixture list, which I do like. But yeah, Schmeichel had a strong, a strong game and I think he's, he's a perfectly fine goalkeeper. Yeah, the, the Napoli one is an exciting one. I know when the Europa League draw was made, I think a few Leicester fans were maybe disappointed that it wasn't quite as easy as it could have been. But at the same time, I think they're going to play against some pretty big teams and they've got some nice away trips there. That's if they're allowed to travel. So I think embrace it because it, they're good enough to beat those sort of teams. We'll move on. We'll move on to the uh, one of the other premier um, Midlands sides in this Midlands football show, which is um, Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa, unfortunately, were defeated again. Um, they lost 3-0 to Chelsea. Um, Romelu Lukaku scored two goals. And then, obviously, Kovacic got the... Um, he got the second, Lukaku got the third. But Lukaku is just so good. Yeah, he's impossible to stop when he's in that sort of form, I think. Um, and we have to mention that Villa actually put in a pretty decent performance, to be honest. I, I think 3-0 probably flattered Chelsea, but at the same time, that they just have that clinical edge, don't they? That The two Lukaku goals were just pretty impossible to stop, as I said. Um, and I think Villa have got some pretty tough fixtures to come as well. So I think they need to find their shooting boots there, but I, I think they will because I think um, Edouard Mendy is definitely up there in terms of keepers in the division. So... I'd like I'd like to think they will that they kind of just just need a few points from those difficult games to keep them ticking over. It's Everton next, isn't it? And they look pretty impressive against Burnley on the Monday night football. So that could be a good watch. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. The result seemed unfair. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a three 0 match per se. I thought Villa played really well. The midfield, especially Ramsey and McGinn were great yet again. It really went out to some sloppy mistakes. And because of that, they would have, should have gotten a better result, maybe. It's tough to come in from the international break and play a supercharged Thomas Tuchel to Chelsea. I look, for, I look forward to seeing the repeat of this game in the Carabao Cup because it could be different. I don't think, I think Tuchel will rest a few players because of Champions League. And I think Aston Villa could get a better result. But first, as you say, they have Everton, which will no doubt be another challenge this weekend after what we saw last night. So, yeah, some positives to take into the next games. I think the thing that they're going to profit from or, or like the fact of, against such a decent defensive side, you know, look at Tuchel's side back last season, almost impenetrable last season. The amount of chances that they created, they can look look now, even though they've not scored them and go, do you know what? Look at the amount of chances we've got. Look at the strike force that we've got. Look at the, the playmaking ability that we've got. Depth in the squad for Aston Villa now after they, they sold Jack Rillish. They're another team that, yeah, they'll have a perfectly fine season because not every single week they'll come up against a team as good as Chelsea, whereas it will be difficult because after Everton and Chelsea, they do have Manchester United and then they've got Tottenham. So a difficult fixture list. But if they can get points out of any of these games, they'll really show their intent for the season. Yeah, I think it must must also be, also be mentioned as um, like George uh, and Nikita said that Edouard Mendy was class. Um, he was absolutely unreal. If you haven't seen the highlights of this game, go back and watch his double save before half time. 
because it was unreal. Like it was brilliant. And that, uh, like, if we look back at Chelsea previously, I know we're not, we're not really supposed to, we're a Midlands football show, we're not really supposed to focus on Chelsea. If we look back this time last season at Chelsea, what we were really talking about was their goalkeeping issue and their clinical uh, clinical finishing issue. And now both are sorted and they look really, really strong title contenders this season. So Aston Villa fans really do not worry. It, it was a really good game for you. Um, and 3-0 is absolutely flat run. Um, and any any so, points from there would have been a bonus anyway, wouldn't they? So a hundred percent, like absolutely. I think similar to what's been said, Chelsea scored from three of their four shots on target, and they didn't have Emi Martinez to go on. They didn't have Wendy. So when they come back, I don't know if they're ready for the next game. So we'll have to see on that one. So I've not seen how many days they've still got to quarantine, but not having Martinez is a massive, massive hit. Uh, so yeah, they'll be looking forward to his return. Absolutely. Um, and speaking, speaking of returns, it's returns to winning ways for Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> uh, 2-0 win over Watford. Um, we, we all circled this game two weeks ago when we were talking uh, on this podcast about Wolves, um, saying that they really needed to get a win here and a win is what they did. Um, obviously, really, really good performance from them. But the one player I want to showcase um, today is Francesco Trincao. Trincao, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable performance. I think he was brilliant at the weekend. Yeah, he had a good game. A few really good chances to get in on goal uh, for Wolves. But obviously the opening goal came from an own goal. And that really set the tone going forward for Wolves. And then debutants, Huang He Chang. That's how you say it. He came in. (laughs) He got his first goal of the season, which was really good because they just, just, just signed him. Um, I think the own goal was a little unfortunate. They were a little unsettled with the change in routine that Wolves took from the corner, but a really good afternoon for the old gold. We have to talk about this own goal because um, there, there was no there was no one near him. Like If he fancies popping one in at Carrow Road next week, then he's, he's more than welcome <laughs> to. Um, I, I think the Wolves, Wolves have waited 69 shots their opening goal and then it comes like that so it, it was typical in a way but, but a big relief for them as Nikita said he Chan getting his first goal um, and I think that signing is pretty important to be honest to kind of help Raul Jimenez out because he's had a difficult start as we may be expected um, so maybe he can share the goal load at least Wolves will hope so anyway um, because I think some Wolves fans weren't too impressed with how the transfer window went um, but I think there's still a fair bit of quality left in their squad from previous seasons. So I, I, I think they'll be fine. They've got a nice run of fixtures coming up too. The quality that Chang will bring into the side is something I think they needed to manage the game in heart. They want to be playing more going forward. Go on, Harry. So I, I was just saying how I love, from what you both said, the, the beautiful irony that they had 69 shots. The first goal came from an goal, own goal. And after Jimenez had 13 shots in this season, Traore 12 and Trincao 10, Wanky Chan scored with his first shot of the season. So that's what I love. But it, it wasn't an easy task. You know, you look at Watford, yes, they are relegation threatened. And yes, you'd probably say that they might bottom the table by Norwich, so they might come 19th. But Watford's won 10 games in a row at home. So to stop that run, it's, it's still pretty impressive in my eyes. But Samedo, he had, he had a couple of chances as well. So maybe it could have been more than the 2-0 scoreline. 
the he chang goal as well it, it was all it was almost as if he was trying to miss it only just went over the line didn't it so the, <laughs> he, sm- he smashed it in afterwards as well just to, just to make sure <laughs> i think we're, we're just waiting for the game when they suddenly the floodgates open because e- even though they've broken their duck this weekend and got their first win i, I still feel like the gut the goals need to flow properly because i'm not happy mm. with the two goals that they did get at watford just kind of I suppose it doesn't matter how you score them, but I just think, you know, find their shooting boots. This is a completely different side to George Wilson that I've never <laughs> seen on this podcast ever. Like, what is this Wolverhampton Wanderers hate? Like, obviously, we've got we've got Superfan <laughs> Wolves Nikita who claims this is their super, second team. Super I, 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 I don't think we need this kind of Wolves fan. balance on this pod. Like, where, where is this Wolves hate coming from, George? No, it's it's no it's no hate whatsoever, and I I think they've made a good start, even though that was their first points of the season at Watford. Um, I I just found the goals that they scored quite funny, in all honesty. Um, but they they got the job done, didn't they? So it doesn't matter. Brilliant, and we've got the job done for this first part. We'll be back in part two to discuss the championship. No, 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 don't worry about that. Welcome back to the Midlands Football Show, part two, where we will discuss the championship. Uh, Let's start with Stoke City, a 2-1 win over Huddersfield, taking them one point off the top. Um, If it wasn't for the slight bump in the road of their season against Fulham, where they lost 3-0, we'd be looking like this Stoke side are a really real threat for the title this year. Are we? Are we still? Are we already writing that prospect off, Alex? I, I don't know. I, I don't think that Fulham defeat put me off that thought. I, I know the Stoke fans won't want to get overexcited, um, but the Bet Three Six Five Stadium really is a fortress. They've had five games there this season: three in the league, two in the cup. They've won all five. Um, Thirteen points from six games is a really good return in the Championship. If you go along in the season and you can keep up a ratio of around about two points per game, you've got a great chance of finishing in the top two. Um, It's congested up there at the moment. It always is at this stage. But I think as the table begins to take a bit to take a bit of shape, um, I think they must be over the moon with how they've started. Yeah, I think they show good will or good strength in character as well. Because after you've just lost the previous game and Harry Toffolo scores after 47 minutes, just thinking, ah, not this again, please, not another season of mediocrity, not this, not that. But they scored after about three minutes after that and then got a win, even though it was through an own goal to, to make it 2-1. So, yeah, they'll be happy. And these are the sort of games that they've got to be picking up three points and consistently if they do want to finish in the top six and especially if they want to finish in the top two as well. Yeah, what, building up what Harry said there, they were not the better side here today against Huddersfield. They really weren't. Huddersfield dominated in terms of shots and um, in terms of passes. So, like, if my if my Michael O'Neill, sorry, I nearly called him Martin, if Michael O'Neill's side wants to do that and still walk away with three points, any Stoke City fan or any fan in general is going to be happy with that. Another assist for uh, Mario Vrancic. There it is. So the Stoke there fans is. are loving that man. Um, and I love that man. <laughs> the Stoke fans. <laughs> 
Uh, then will he be a key in their side, though, George, this season? Do you think it was a very good pickup from Stoke? I, th- I think it definitely was. Two promotions from the Championship on his CV. Um, and I think, yeah, th- he's clearly um, suiting their style at the moment. Um, and I think I think I saw a piece in the Stoke Sentinel of one of, one of the journalists kind of speaking about the impact he has had. So I think, yeah, long may it continue. Yep, moving on very quickly. Um, Coventry, they won 2-0 against Middlesbrough. Um, good result for Coventry City, the Sky Blues, as they're called. Uh, great Derby County fans look away. Martin Waggon scored in the <laughs> 91st minute. Um, but no, a, a controlled performance from Coventry. And what we're starting to actually see a lot more of is them not only dominating possession, but dominating the ball as well um, in terms of long passes, short passes, and crosses into the area they're, they're starting to look like a really good side this season well the Rico not Rico is definitely still rocking because <laughs> from you, what you've seen from the addition of home fans is that they're another team that have got 100% winning starts at home as well so I think four of the top seven in the championship are Midland sides which is going to make for a very interesting season for this podcast mm-hmm. especially yeah, um, I just want to give a mention to Simon Moore as well, the the Coventry goalkeeper. I, I don't I don't know if many people are aware um, of the Championship fantasy football game, but I have been playing it this season, um, and Moore has been a bit of a dream to be honest. Four point million on the game. Um, Coventry looked pretty handy defensively. He makes loads of saves. So um, thank you to Simon Moore. I, I think the, the the site for that is like it's called Gaffer G A F R. Um, I I don't know what, why I've mentioned that really, but I, I've just got a little soft spot for Moore. Um, but really good for Coventry, you have to say, and that they're, they're right in the mix. I think a lot of people were writing them off this year, um, but they're proving them wrong as it stands. Um. Since we're going for a soft spot of players, um, I do want to mention Jody Jones as well. Um, was on Coventry City's bench and has uh, featured quite a couple of times for them this season. He's coming back from his third ACL injury. All in the same knee. So, we salute you, Jody Jones. That is an absolute force. Um, you're not even that old either. Uh, uh, you're only about 27 years old. So, absolutely brilliant for you. Um, I'm really, really, really happy for him. Um, we will move on. We'll move on. And we'll talk about another top seven team in the table. Birmingham City. Yes. We said last season when Lee Boyer went there that they would probably build on um, their form that they accumulated at the end of the season. And boy, have they done that. A standard 2-0 win over fellow Midlands club, Derby County, where shock, Troy Deeney moved to Birmingham and shock, all the sky coverage was about Troy Deeney. And uh, he featured and um, played actually okay when he came on the field. But yeah, um, Sonic 2-0 went for Birmingham City. Derby didn't really offer a lot. No, they didn't. But I think it's it's encouraging for Birmingham that um, they didn't need Troy Deeney the other night. And I think they will come to need him in the season. But I thought Scott Hogan and Lukas Jukovic both put a really good shift in. Hogan getting on the score sheet, but Jukovic was heavily involved. Um, but I do like the Dini signing. I, I, I know, as you said, there was a lot of fuss made over it. He's used to winning things at this level, but also that the fact he's a Blues fan just just makes it all the better. You know, the, the fact that he 
was hadn't gone on the pitch for his debut yet and they were singing about him all night long. I think once he settles in properly, um, he could be a really big signing for them. From the highs of top seven to the lows of the bottom of the league, we go to Nottingham Forest. And, oh my God, Forest, what's going on here? A 2-1 loss to Cardiff City. Lewis Graben putting yourselves in front before Colwell grabbing two goals to secure all three points for the Bluebirds. Um, guys, how is Chris Hewitt still in a job? Um, I'm not too <laughs> sure, to be honest. I, I think... I'm not sure there are many Forest fans left um, who still believe he's the right man to get them out of this situation. Um, I feel like it, it was a it was a real feeling of back to square one for them because after the East Midlands derby, when they showed a bit of character to come from behind, get that draw, it felt like that was maybe a little platform for Hutton to build on. And I think I think the fans were maybe willing to give him that chance, but I think. This Cardiff result is just a really disappointing one. Um, as you say, to to go in front and then blow it in the second half. Cardiff are a strong outfit. And I know that the lad who scored is um, a promising youngster, but there's still no excusing it when, when you're the home team. Um, and I think there are a lot of discussions about the manager. It looks like he's going to get um, the next game in midweek. Um Maybe he'll get the weekend as well. Who knows? Probably depends on the midweek. But I think there's also signs of a disconnect between the fans and the club. Um, I saw a tweet, I think it was from Brennan Johnson's dad, who was kind of ripping into the club. It, it, it was maybe not what you expect to see from a relative of a player. I think it's since been deleted. But I think what he was saying, all of the Forest fans related to, because there is that disconnect there, which can never be a good thing. So I think while the managerial situation isn't right, also the situation upstairs has kind of gone a little bit sour. Yeah, it looks like they're a bit of a ticking time bomb in the fact that every time I see them play or see, see the results that happen, it just doesn't seem that there's any real positives to take out of many of the games, especially, you know, you look at Derby, I know they came back from behind in that game, but that's that's a real chance to get three points and really shift your momentum and get the draws. Just It's just a bit meh, even that's not really a professional word to use. All of their games have just been a bit like, oh, this again, that again. What do you think, you know, with Chris Hewton, do you think there's other managerial options out there? Do you think Chris Wilde would take the job? Would you think John Terry's the right choice? Or do you just think they're waiting for something to open up and something to happen? I think John Terry would be a big risk, to yeah. be honest. I, you know, he, I feel like th this is maybe the wrong thing to say. I, I feel like he's had it quite nice at Aston Villa because, um, you know, being an assistant manager is nothing like being the main man, is it? And as, as we've mentioned there, the mess that Forrest find themselves in, I think Wilder would be more suited to it. Um, and from what I read, I think there's there are suggestions that Wilder would be up for it um, because, you know, I believe he, he, he lives in South Yorkshire or Derbyshire, so it's, it's not like it's a commute for him. So I feel like that kind of makes sense, but at the same time, um, you don't know who Forrest have in mind. Yeah, you are, if you're a Forest fan, you want a sure thing. You don't want to risk 
You want a sure thing that's going to stay you away from this relegation trouble. You want a sure thing. Chris Wilder is the definition of a sure thing. Um, so, yeah, for me, that that is the only option that you can really uh, compose. Anyway, moving on, um, we now get to go to my favourite round of the podcast. Um, for <sighs> brand new people that uh, are here, um, Harry, there is a reason Harry's sighing really loudly. Um, for brand new people here, we take three teams from the Midlands um, and we do a quick fire round of 30 seconds per team. And they have uh, Harry then has 30 seconds to describe what went on with their, that particular team in under 30 seconds. George did it the very first week we did this podcast this season. Um, he he did okay. Um, Nikita, did it, Nikita did, did it the next week and... Also, she, she, yeah, she did a lot better. Um, there was, there was <laughs> a lot there was, better. There was, there, was some, there was some, there was some struggling with shortages on time. Um, and now, Harry, the Goldilocks recipe needs to be completed, and I need Goldilocks recipe. Right, okay. one was too long, the other was too short. You're now going to be perfect. It's a Goldilocks recipe. I need to be a perfect. George, yeah, I hope right. you're timing him like you're timing me. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't, don't worry. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling so, the pressure from Norfolk. Harry, to, yes. um, just to confirm to the listeners, uh, or listener, because uh, whichever one we get, um, how, which two teams from the championship will you be taking? It's West Bromwich Albion and Derby County. Those right. are the two sides. Which one are we going with first? Uh, we will go with... Uh, we spoke about Birmingham v Derby, so we'll do that first, but we'll look at the, the Derbyshire perspective. We'll look at the Derby County perspective then. So, Harry Tizard, if you are ready, um, do you... Count uh, me ready? in. Right. Just Three, just count me in. Two, one, go. Derby are now winless in four and all competitions after losing to Birmingham City on Friday night. Goals from either side of half-time by Scott Hogan and Jeremy Jeremiah Boger were enough to sink the Rams, who now sit in 16th place, earning six points out of the possible six. On And on that average, you'd probably say that I keep them up with the last season's 21st place team, which was ironically also them, got 36 points. I make it just inside twenty five. I I I got twenty six, but um, I I'm I'm accepting that. That's brilliant. That was really good. Um, that was really good. It's a really long sigh at the beginning there. So that's yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> we're just we're just ignore that. Because <laughs> <fine. Everything's okay. laughs> I was on there, it was I, brilliant. I had another paragraph, but I was like, I'm not getting this inside five no, seconds. No, so no, we'll just no. we'll just keep that there. Everything's a okay. Everything's right. fine. Right, we have to go on to West Bromwich Albion, please. Um, right. If that's okay with you. I'll try and bang through this one. Three, right. two, one, go. Despite drawing it home to mid-table side Millwall, West Brom moved into the top spot in the championship above Fulham by a solitary point after the Cossages lost a newly promoted Blackpool. The Baggies will be disappointed that they are unable to hold on to their lead with Danielle Bullard cancelling out an early Carl Bartley goal just six minutes before. Carl Grant will also be frustrated that he didn't add to a solitary championship goal this season with the former Huddersfield striker missing a penalty on the stroke of half-time. That is twenty-eight seconds. I'm convinced he's timing him. I'm convinced he's timing himself. No, not that that would be against the rules. Nothing he, wrong with that, George. There, there he's is slot, he's slotted it into the into the. There's slot nothing wrong with that. George, there is man. nothing come, wrong. Come with on that. now. That is come on absolutely now. brilliant. 
that was um, that was brilliant. And on that high, we will end part two, and we'll go into part three, where we'll discuss League One and League Two. <laughs>Part three of the Midlands Football Show, where we discuss League One and Two. And as soon as we finish part two with a quick fire, we're going to go into part three with a quick fire. Uh, Harry, are you ready for your third quick fire? I'm stressed. Of the I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I wasn't doing anything for the podcast, and now it's three in a row. And then it's three just it's such a stressful situation, to be honest. But uh, I'm ready. Right, we're going to obviously discuss Burton Albion. That's the reason why we're doing this, is because there's only one League One side uh, that is a Midlands side. So we're going to do Burton Albion, and we're going to rock through Burton Albion in 30 seconds. So, are you ready? I am indeed. Three, two, one, go. (laughs) On what was their first Saturday fixture in three games, with their last three coming on Friday, Tuesday, and a Monday, Burton returned to their usual weekend spot with a 1-1 draw with 19th place Gillingham. It was Gillingham that struck first through Valadine Oliver in the first half, but the Brewers probed and found their equaliser just after half-time, showing that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's half-time system worked. No extra goals were secured with the 1-1 draw, dropping them out of the playoffs or goals scored with Acton taking their place. Oh, up 29. Yeah. Just about. Just about. I, I'm I'm not being funny, guys, but Harry's just laid down the gauntlet on how to do this. Set, set the bar. He Is really it? has. Say. That yeah. is sublime. Um, honestly, honestly <laughs> brilliant, you. that was. Um, and, yeah. George, you have a point before I move on to League Two. Yeah, I just wanted to say... Um, the League One, like, top half is incredibly congested and Burton kind of find themselves in there. I was I was having a, a look yesterday. The second-place team, which is Wigan, and the 12th-place team, which is Sheffield Wednesday, are separated by three points, um, which I, I, I know it's still early. I, I, I just find that kind of cluster of teams a little bit crazy. But Burton are in the middle of it, so that's pleasing to see hopefully they can stay in that kind of area and maybe sneak into those playoffs so they, as i said it's so incredibly early to be thinking about that so it doesn't really matter really george completely ignoring the point of the quickfire round to add another point <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> very very true actually <laughs> completely ignoring the rules of it just to just to add another thing right i can finally move on to league two and in all midlands tie in league two Walsall versus Mansfield. I can now officially lay off Walsall a little bit. Um, Matty Taylor's side picked up three points against Mansfield um, with Miller scoring two, Taylor getting another before, Johnson getting a consolation for Mansfield Town. Very good result for Walsall um, and possibly a disappointing one for Mansfield. Yeah, we really worried about Walsall after the start they made, didn't we? And I think Matt Taylor went in there with, you know, next to no experience um, of managing a team. Um, But they've turned it round in recent weeks. George Miller, as you said, getting two goals on his home debut. He's recently come in on loan from Barnsley. Um, Matt Matt Taylor even was was keen to praise him after the game. But Taylor was also eager to say that Walsall shouldn't get too high because, you know, he's only being realistic after 
the poor start that they've made. So they sit there nicely in mid-table now, but they will want to push on. Um, I also wanted to mention the one-all draw they got at Bradford on the 4th of September when they had 10 men for the entire second half um, but held on to that 1-1, which could be a valuable point later in the season. Seems like a corner has been turned for Walsall. Um, and we move on to our final Midlands team this, uh, this week which is the mighty Port Vale. You're not going to talk about Mansfield. We didn't really cover them at all in that I side. Mean, I mean, they got beat 3-1. Uh, what more do you I mean, want? I, all, I, all I was going to say is that, you know, they'll be obviously disappointed they start the season. I think we all expect them to be a bit better with Clough in charge. And now their next two are Rochdale and Leighton Orient that both figure in the top five. So it's, it's going to be a difficult couple of weeks for them. Yeah, Cluffy said they're... Uh... Their performance at Walsall was inept, which is pre- pretty honest, as you can often expect from him. I also think it's worth saying as well, I've, I've got this written down specifically with the intention of mentioning it. Um, there's a video on YouTube on the League of 72 YouTube channel, um, and it looks really closely specifically at Mansfield and how they went about their dealings on deadline day. It's about 12 minutes long. Even if you're not a Mansfield fan, I'd recommend like giving it a watch because it's literally like really in depth. It's not kind of just covering the sides; it's just in depth with the chairman and the sporting director, everything else. Um, I'd recommend head- heading over there if you get a chance. Look for a link on our social media, uh, which we will post out um, before this podcast goes live. Um, and we'll make sure that you all, all watch that. And now finally get to move on to Port Vale, um, which is really good. Back-to-back wins for the Valiants um, with a 2-1 win at the weekend. Um, ben Garrett, you're getting both goals for them. So things are looking up for Port Vale. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's you, as much as you can really say, really. like they, Are you sh- I was just gonna. Are you sure it's back-to-back wins, Alex? I am ninety-nine percent sure because uh, their previous it's, game. It's back-to-back. It's back-to-back away wins, but they they lost on the fourth to. They did to Rochdale. Rochdale I, I read it the wrong way around. Apologies. Let me restart that one. No worries. Um, <laughs> let me completely restart that. You are the. You're my fact checker. You're the guy that gets <laughs> me right here. Right. Let me do that again. I finally get to talk about Port Vale and back-to-back win away wins for the Valiants um, as both times they've actually featured at home. Um, they've it's, it's not even that. It's not even away wins. It's nothing. It's just a win against Swindon. I'm ignoring it. Sod it. Right, right. We'll redo the entire thing. <laughs> Don't worry, man. Because they lost in the Football League trophy to Bolton and they were away at Bolton. It's not even back-to-back away wins. So, no, it's back. It's back to back consecutive. It is back to back consecutive away wins. Oh, in, the probably, in, in the league. In the league. In the league. I'll add that. I'll add that. I'll add that. I'll that shit. Whatever. Right. Let's go. <laughs> what fucking oh shit this is. <coughs> Finally, get to talk about Port Vale and back to back away league wins for the Valiants, which is very, very good for them. Two goals from Ben Garrity. Um, after Swindon Town equalised um, for them, they're starting to find their feet at Port Vale. What do we think of Vale? 
Yeah, always good to get wins on the road. I think they'll probably want to sort their home form out as well because we've spoken about the, a couple of teams in the championship who, who are up there because of their strong home form. So I think that's what they'll need to sort next. They've got Harrogate next, um, who haven't lost a league game this season. So that will be tough. Um, I also wanted to mention Jamie Proctor, who signed from Rotherham in the summer. He's got four goals um, that came from two braces against Forest Green and Rochdale. Um, and he's had a bit of a difficult few years when he was at Rotherham, but it looks like Vale could be a good fit for him. Are they playoff contenders? You know, they're only two points away, but then there's also seven games into the season. So it's a difficult one, really. I, I think... Definitely, because I think, as we saw last year, Harry, with the run the run they went on, they went from being in the drop zone to us with about four games to go, saying a few more wins and they could find themselves near the playoffs. <laughs> so obviously, they didn't in the end, but that, no. that's just the, the craziness of that league. One big, long run and you're suddenly in the mix. So I think they'll, they definitely like to finish there for sure. They've got to sort their home form out first. More goals, more goals from midfield, whether it's Ben Garrity or somebody else, like I, I, and that possibly will be there because a couple of weeks ago we discussed where are Port Vale going to get these goals from, and if they if they start getting them from midfield, whether it's via Garrity or other players that they've got um, there, then that would be that. But um, I think that is enough for today. I think we'll we'll call it we'll call it quits there, um, and we will obviously be back next week where we will discuss both the midweek fixtures and the weekend fixtures. Um, until then, uh, obviously, I've been Alex Woods. Um, thank you so much, Mr. George Wilson. Thank you very much. Mr. Harry Tizard. Thank you. And Miss Nikita Gomes-Henschel. Thank you. Until next time, guys. <laughs>